0: Today is a really special episode because we are doing an ask me anything style, meaning we didn't really prepare for this. We just want to hear your questions and we want to, we want to talk through them. So before we jump into all of that, I just want to remind everyone, um, especially if you're new to industrial marketing live, or if this is your first session, um, we love videos turn them on. We'd love to see your faces, especially because we won't have another IML till January. Uh, January 5th, mark your calendars. That's going to be our first one of the year. And uh, we also love the chat. And I imagine I'm going to be uh, running around like crazy trying to keep up with the chat today with this Ask Me Anything style. So please send your questions there. Um, And then the last little bit is if you um, could please mute while others are talking. And uh, we do love to pull people up on stage, though. So uh, if you do have a question and you can kind of speak to it, add some more context, great. Um, That would be awesome. So uh, just to set the stage for this a little bit further, we are not trying to keep this uh, contained to just like high-level questions. So if you have a specific project you're working on or a specific challenge you're encountering, in your world at your company that you're comfortable talking through here with all of us, um, then great, bring it up. And we can kind of put the whole gaggle of gorillas on it to uh, help you figure out what to do next. And uh, we'll just kind of take it from there. So with that, Brendan, Mary, you guys have anything to say before we take our first question?
1: Um, Yes, actually. <laughs> so Um, I think it was Beth in the Slack channel said, Hey, I would really like some like fun facts about um, our IML hosts. So I was like, I have some fun facts. Um, So fun facts about me. I am one of seven kids. I'm the oldest. I have five sisters and one brother. Um, I spend a lot of time with my sisters and family. Um, This is also another just like random fun fact. Um, it also answers Luke's question about what's your crazy idea for 2023. So I have two, Luke, I'll do my marketing idea later, but my crazy idea I've had since I was 15, and I've always wanted to open up a food truck called Hash Brown Town, where you get to have potatoes any way you want them. So that's my, that's those are my fun facts for, uh, for our IML intro. Oh
2: man, I did not know we we're doing this. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay, uh, fun facts. Let's see. So I think a lot of you know, I'm in the military. Um, so me and one of my army buddies are currently working on a podcast, a military history podcast, uh, hopefully launching in January, uh, if I can get his schedule down to do some recording. Uh, but we have the idea and the name. Uh, so it's going to be the Monday morning general. Uh, so that should be coming out. Uh, yeah, in January sometime. So uh, if you're into military history at all, um, hope you can listen in.
0: Well, that's awesome. Brendan, you're just on the podcast kick these days.
2: Yeah. Um, it's a good format.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, fun fact about me, geez, Mary put us all on the spot. Um, breath Beth also asked if, uh, Mary and I were sisters. No, we're not sisters. Um, not biologically anyways, but we are, uh, marketing sisters, guerrilla sisters. So, um, yeah, but, uh, Anyway, I will uh, get us kicked off. So if you've got a question, feel free to put it in the chat. But we had a few that came in from the Slack group, which we have a Slack group that accompanies Industrial Marketing Live. So if you've ever liked to join that uh, community, keep up in between, uh, just let us know in the chat. I review the chat at the end of these episodes to make sure we keep up with everything um, and I will get you added there.
2: Fun. One more admin note here, Peyton. So um, if I don't think we're probably going to get to all the questions. So any leftover ones that we have, me and Mary and probably Peyton. May, Peyton, I think we'll have you on, on the podcast. Um, but we'll cover that on the Manufacturing Marketer. And that'll be probably one of the last episodes of the year for that too. So that'll be part two of IML. Uh, ask me anything. So, all right. Hit it, Peyton.
0: Okay, cool. Um, first question was from... Craig Schmidt, um, what are some of your favorite, maybe lesser-known softwares that have made your job easier?
2: Mm. So I think one uh, that I have recently started using some client work is Zapier. Um, it's not a big part of my uh, like stack, but I have used them in some cases, and it does it does help a lot. Um, it seems like it's pretty easy to connect to a lot of different you know softwares and be that bridge, um, especially like if you have like a a weird website CMS or like a weird CRM, like you can use those pretty easily to connect um things when there's no like live integrations, right? So um that has been helpful on some of the uh, some recent client work.
0: I would agree with a I I pronounce it Zapier, maybe I have no idea. for that, but but I agree with Zapier. Uh definitely use that for automation and connecting the different softwares. Um another one, which is not necessarily marketing, but Gorilla just started using, is called Pandadoc. Um, and that's for like online contract signing. I feel like in the industrial space, it's still really common to have like fax machines and stuff and but we don't have to live that way everyone we can we can use Panda Doc and you can sign things digitally so
1: all right um anything else, Mary, that you wanted to add to that? No, but I think like on the topic of Zapier, I would always look in your larger marketing automation platforms or c r m s to see. If you have any kind of app marketplace or ability to connect apps, you'd be really surprised the capabilities that some of these CRMs and even ERP systems, if they're larger ones like an Oracle or something like that. So don't be afraid to connect apps. Almost all of them are free. And then you get to a certain point and you might have to pay for some of them, but definitely look in your app marketplace of your larger platforms. All right.
0: And then we'll bring it into the the live group here. So, Karen, uh goarty is that how you pronounce your last name karen um she had a question she'd like to know if retargeting site visitors via email marketing is still a strong marketing strategy among industry professionals
3: goarty <laughs> Gowardi,
0: awesome thanks karen you're welcome do you, do you want to provide any more color to your question
3: um, you mean my face <laughs>
0: Yeah, <laughs> well, hey, that too <laughs>
3: um yeah we've been we've been doing um some linkedin ads and um, i've been i have another question actually you'll see down down the line there um struggling with um, retargeting site visitors because they don't fill out the forms and i was wondering how others are Achieving success at it. I mean, we have a um, pretty good conversion rate, I think, for industrial marketing. It's somewhere um, like 5.2% conversion rate. I don't know. I think that's what it was last. Um, And, but we are still struggling with, um, you know, being able to retarget them when we don't have their email addresses. And I had wondered if um, there was a way to retarget through the IP address, how is that done? And is is it still growing in terms of, you know, getting your message to the customer or are people just annoyed by all this retargeting? (laughs) That's it in a nutshell, pretty much.
1: Brendan,
2: you want to go first? Yeah. So I th- retargeting's been a big part of our paid social strategy here at Gorilla, probably for the last six months. I'd say like, we really started to build this out. Um and I don't think people are annoyed of it. Like it's just it's like getting another um getting another ad. So yeah, basically, like if you're using Facebook or LinkedIn. I don't know. There's probably other platforms that do retargeting as well, but we use Facebook and LinkedIn. So, you know, put on the, the code tracker. So the Facebook pixel or the Metapixel and the LinkedIn insight tag, and then both those platforms will start putting cookies on to your website visitors. And then when they leave your site and they go visit LinkedIn and Facebook, uh, you can create audiences on both of those platforms to send ads and messaging uh to that audience after they have visited your website so i think that is a great way to start dipping your feet into uh paid social Uh, we actually had a really great conversation with kevin uh our performance marketer in the summertime about this like what we do with a thousand dollars um with for paid social so i think that's a really great place to start and you're hitting an audience that is already aware of who you are at least a little bit um So I would definitely look at that as like the first step into a full-blown paid social strategy.
3: Mm. Are there any like tutorials that you know of, um, on how to, I mean, we have, we have the, um, the links in place on the site, on our site, Mm -hmm. um, as we do ours, our strategies mainly through LinkedIn, we don't use Facebook, um, but we have everything in place, um, to be able to send those pings back and forth. Yeah. Um, but then I don't know what to do with them.
2: Sure. So um, we could probably do a, a quick tutorial in um, on the Slack group uh, in there. Otherwise, like we've did, all, you know, just like a Google search and some YouTube videos or probably even a TikTok search will get you uh, the right yeah. answer you need on yeah. how to actually like create an audience with that data.
3: Create an audience. Okay, good. I didn't know where to start. So like, yeah, that
2: that's where you so you go like if if you're on LinkedIn, you go into your campaign manager into the create right. audience area and then uh create an audience based on retargeting. Um and then pick website visitors. Okay.
3: Thank you so much.
2: And you want to make sure that your um LinkedIn, like
4: your insight tag and everything is installed and firing correctly on your site mm-hmm. first as mm-hmm. well. That's the most important part. Um, because there's a lot of different things that can go wrong with that. Um so just do, like Brendan said, like doing some Googling um, to to find some common like pitfalls or troubleshooting that you would have with that, mm-hmm. uh, I think would put you a long way. Okay, good. Um, Kevin, do we talk about that in that IML episode? We, we do talk about it, but we didn't get into the like... The nitty gritty. The okay. nitty gritty on like, this is what page you go to, to install it and things like that.
5: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: And Grace posted something really nice in the chat here. Grace, do you want to speak to that a little bit?
5: Yeah, I just went ahead and copied and pasted this from internal gorilla documentation, but it's like, essentially, if we were building a retargeting campaign on LinkedIn, these are the types of audiences we might include in that. So um, all website visitors last 90, so anyone who's visited your website in the last 90 days, you'll notice we go ahead and exclude any thank you page views. So that means like anyone who has already converted, we're going ahead and taking them out of there any video views. So like if you're running any type of video ad on cold targeting or retargeting or um, really anything, um, you can basically uh, set up retargeting audiences for anyone who's consumed 25%, 50%, 75% of that video. So anyone who's really engaged in that regard, Um, anyone who's visited your LinkedIn company page, and then anyone who's interacted at all with any of your ads. So a like, or even just clicking that see more button. So anyone who's engaged, Um, We typically exclude careers page views just because that's an entirely separate audience. Um, We're not really looking to reach people who are looking to work at your company. I mean, um, not with like our type of uh, program. Um, And then you can exclude companies specifically. So we typically exclude any clients or um, ourselves, uh, our client, that type of thing. Um, This is not... You can build pretty much these same audiences on Facebook as well. Um, and there should be better tutorials on YouTube than, you know, I could explain here <laughs> for any of these, but just to kind of give you an idea of like what you might include and what you might exclude um, from some type of retargeting strategy that you would be running.
0: That's a great question, Karen. Um, moving back into a question from the Slack group. And I think I saw Jared Beasley's here today too. So Jared, feel free if you want to add some color to this question um but jared was asking us about thoughts on building out sales um you know promotional materials for the industrial market um trying to stay away from gimmicky things but you know um really reach out into a segment that's typically a bunch of like price shoppers you know um how do you get how do you stand out um right. so i think like just the root of the question as i understood it was how can you make your ad, your ads stand out in a crowded commodity market and jared yeah feel free if i'm misunderstanding chime
4: in no that that pretty much hit it we're we're working on building out some spring campaign stuff and um s- some of our contractor side of our market we're dealing stuff with uh, a lot of paint sprayers paint tips stuff i know you have experience with brendan uh yeah for, we're a Greco rep um, so when we're dealing with that a lot of people are selling the exact same thing and everyone's just shopping on the cheapest price
1: yeah I have some tips, Brendan. I want to jump in here just because we're testing it with a client right now. They're also in a commodity market. They're in like VFDs, control panels, that kind of thing. Um, if you have peak seasons, which they do, and I'm sure most people in commodities do, um, start planning like a month ahead. And I would absolutely do like all of your promos, like anything you can do that's like, hey, you know, buy one, get one, 50% off, like whatever your promo is, put it out there like a month early. Just so that, like it sticks in people's heads, and like you can kind of gather that data ahead of time. Especially if you're on like a Facebook or a Google, you can start building retargeting lists. Like, highly, highly recommend. I think that that is not a bad idea in the commodity market.
2: Yeah, that's a, that's a great point, Mary. And like, get ahead of everybody else that's going to be doing the same promos. And Jared, I think especially where you're at, and anybody else that's in a commodity type business, that's that's a tough business to be in, especially when you're doing marketing, right? Because it's usually a race to the bottom on price. And so I think, you know, a way to get around that, you know, on a greater marketing messaging strategy level is start identifying what makes you different from everybody else that has a commodity, right? So instead of looking, like, think about like bottled water. Like Aquafina Dasani is the same stuff. It comes out of the same freaking taps, right? Like it's just agua. It's wet. It's all it is. Um, But like there's different... Like Dasani and Aquafina have different um, brand affinities that are attached to those brands that people keep going back to over and over and over again. And so develop a brand for your company and, you know, talk about the the small things that make you different. And it could be very small, but if you start like magnifying that and putting the spotlight on it, um, I think that's going to help you in the long run. You know, whether it be like, is your service time, like, is your, like, do you answer calls? Like, you know how much faster than your competition or how many you know um uh, distributor reps do you have in a certain region or like how many you know how fast can you ship or like the you know post-sale service that you have like so start, start building out that story so that when you do put a promo on there they have all that other good things that are surrounding your brand to lean back on to make like if everybody else if everybody's going to do a buy one get one like there's got to be something else that makes it make someone want to come to your store versus another store right that's a lot long like that's uh you know a year like it's gonna take you a year to build that message out compared to like just doing a you know your spring promo, but start thinking about that, I think uh in the long run it'll make your promos work a lot better
3: awesome, <clears throat> awesome.
0: Um, we had another question come in the chat that I think is pretty pretty interesting. Angela White, you asked about UTM tracking. You said you're just getting started um, with UTM tags. And this is something we've discussed a lot inside Gorilla. Um, you asked, what do you wish you knew about them when you first started using it? And what is your favorite way to use them?
1: Uh, Yes, (laughs) Um, I'm kind of like my focus on using them is to just figure out a way to track our socials right now, um, because that's what I've been focused on quite a bit. And there's not, at least from what I've found, there's not a great way to use Google Analytics unless you're tracking your posts. But it kind of broadens, like the scope gets massive if you want it to. So and there's a lot of stuff to read on it. So I'm just wondering kind of what your thoughts were. Yeah, I think it's great for um, tracking Google Ads. So if you're doing a lot in Google Ads and you're bidding on a lot of terms, I think the UTM tracking is really cool. I'm going to show you what it looks like in HubSpot. You can actually like create a library of tracked URLs in HubSpot. So it looks something like this. So you have your campaign, you're in Google Ads, you got your source, you got your medium. Here's where you can start putting in terms and content. Now, if you have something like a HubSpot, you can just connect... Google Ads in your um, marketing if you have that, um, if you have Marketing Hub. But this just lets you see all of your campaigns. We don't really track it as well as we could here. Um, but if you need it to be kind of like a free version or like you can't connect to your marketing, you can click into these campaigns and check out like ROI, leads driven from there, traffic driven from there. So if you have a marketing automation platform that does it, I highly recommend making sure you store your UTMs in a in a big library, even if it's just an Excel spreadsheet, just something where you're tracking all of them. So that's what I wish I would have known. Have one place like one single source of truth for tracking all your UTMs.
2: Mm-hmm. So, Mary, if you if there's if you don't have a HubSpot or another CRM that's you're you're able to track UTMs in there, you really can only use UTMs then in like Google Analytics right to like see like is this campaign like is it like keeping people on the page or is it getting people to bounce off right so like we store all like anybody that doesn't have that hubspot we keep that in a in a google sheet um, but it's really just to do like to help you inside of google analytics to get down to that page level and and, and campaign level
1: yeah that's right um and i've also i think it works the best if you are driving traffic to a page that already exists on your website so it's not a landing page so, for example, if you're driving people to your homepage in Google Ads, um, I highly recommend tagging it. Otherwise, in Google Analytics, it's not going to come out as being sourced from Google Ads. Or even if you're, you know, you can UTM track um, blog links in on your organic LinkedIn if you wanted to. So you can throw a UTM in there, okay. and then once it clicks through, you can check it in um, Google Analytics, and it'll say sourced from LinkedIn, Facebook, wherever you posted it. I did just actually my, uh, for the post that I did of the video for the multi-launcher on our page. Uh, that's the first one I put my tracking on. So I'm really curious to see what will happen with that. Nice. So I've separated it from socials. So I'll know which is driving the most clicks. Nice.
5: One. Yeah, thing- sorry, Grace, go ahead. Oh, sorry. I, I was just going to say one thing, like if you're going to be using UTMs, having um, some type of documentation about how you're using each of those parameters, like content term, everything, and having that be very standardized and um, like using that the same way every time you build a UTM. Because mm-hmm. that's something that um, Kevin, when he came on board, put together like really strict um UTM uh, documentation together for us. And I feel like it's been a a game changer in terms of making sure we're being consistent in how we're using um, them across campaigns and clients.
4: Yeah, because small things can really affect UTMs, even like the case, if things are capital or lowercase, um, it can make things, put things in different buckets within Google Analytics. So uh, yeah, what Grace was saying, like you really wanted to find like, why am I naming the source this specific thing. Why am I naming the the content or the term this specific thing? Because it'll sort of help guide you then when you're looking at the data later to understand where your head was and and how you're trying to organize things. Um, so yeah, just like develop a standard for what you're using. Feel free to change it if you need to. If you find something doesn't work, um, so there's no one right way to use UTMs. It's all based on how you want to organize data.
1: Hey Kevin, I have a question for you. Follow up. Um, I've heard some rumors that with um, like third-party cookies going away, like some platforms are cutting off UTM's. Is that true? I
4: I haven't seen it happen yet. I don't really know how they could stop like direct traffic data. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I mean it. It could it could affect it um, eventually, but I haven't seen anything like affected as of today.
0: Okay, next question. We had Randy and we had a little plus one on Randy's question. <laughs> Ask about if anyone had had a good experience or any experience really um, using AI content generation tools. I feel like Gorilla is going to have some hot takes on this one. <laughs>
1: I've only had experience with like the the joke ones, like the ones that'll like write a funny LinkedIn post for you if you give them um, like certain parameters. Uh, so nothing like legitimate or that you have to pay for.
2: So I haven't used it this way, but I, uh, I I do see the value in it, especially like my writing style. Like I don't like staring at a blank page when I start writing. And so I could see like, putting some, you know, really small parameters into a tool to have it kick out something and then gives me something to edit off of and like collect my thoughts. Um, I could also see the case where you have a write a bigger piece. I'd be worried about like having it, like try to write like a thousand word article, maybe something like, you know, you want to like write a, sp- a specific section. And so like work on one section at a time. Otherwise I feel like that tool can start, it gets a little unwieldy. I think at the, uh, when you start getting like a longer pieces but if you're just trying to do like one section at a time i could i could see it working uh it looks really interesting and like a lot of the like the art ai things i've seen is are really interesting and they look pretty nice I've, I've uh randall our designers on and i wonder if he's got some uh randall do you have any uh any thoughts on those the ai art generators
4: yeah um they're pretty cool i've i've played i used up all my free tokens on uh Mid journey and the results are pretty impressive hmm. um the thing is, is I always feel a little bit dirty using those those more public facing ones because they're they're based off of actual they're trained on like real artists and those right. artists are getting pretty upset about, you know, people taking their work basically and repurposing it. Um, so it's kind of like a, a gray area, regardless of how you feel there. But um For art, it's certainly possible to, like, set up your own if you want to, like, get really nerdy. Um, You don't have to be necessarily a computer programmer, but you can train it on your own data set. And I would imagine you could probably do the same thing with writing, but I have no experience with the writing
2: ones.
0: Um, and and Mike, I feel like you've posted a few times, Mike Tao, um, if you want to unmute and kind of share your thoughts on the, on the writing side of it, but have you used those? Sorry if I'm putting you on the spot and you haven't. I thought you had.
2: Um, yeah, I use, I use it for more for idea generation. I don't use it to to write full content just because I, I, I think there's a bias and they haven't proved that they can. At, get the attribution to the AI yet? But there's there's some yeah. there's some uh, softwares out there where they're starting to to really look at at AI generate content. So I just use it for idea generation mainly.
0: All right, I'm going to keep us chugging along. Um, pulling back a question from from Slack from uh, from Beth. Um, Beth asked us, uh, you know, how can you develop your organic audience on Facebook and, and LinkedIn so that it includes more of the type of folks that would be in your target audience. Hmm. I'm kind of summarizing your question though, Beth. You, you you kind of uh and feel free if you want to tell a little bit more about your situation here, what you're experiencing on your your channel.
5: Um yeah, so I feel like from a LinkedIn perspective, like we have a really good like audience base with our target market, but I recently did a survey with our customer base and come to find out our end users are actually more active and engaged on facebook and Mm -hmm. so just like wondering how like what recommendations you might have to like create like technical posts that would be helpful for like our end user target market like but do that from an organic standpoint because currently our facebook audience is mostly you know like employees and people in our local communities
1: Mm -hmm. i would do i would triple down on groups so find yeah. like the groups that your um, users are in on Facebook, like Facebook groups are huge and just start posting snippets of your technical articles, like as answers to questions in there. So if, okay. um, I've seen this work really well. Like um, I think Matt Chanella did this with welders when he was working at his old company. He would just go in the welding group and start answering questions by just copy pasting chunks of blog posts and technical articles. So he said he got a lot of a lot of traction that way.
2: And then Beth, I'd say if you have any sort of budget, you could do like a paid follower campaign or, um, you know, the one thing about at least on the Facebook side, I know LinkedIn is also kind of like this too, but they seem to suppress the company pages and the reach that those get. So I've actually started to, and actually I just posted this in our Gorilla Slack channel that um, some people have been doing on their organic page, boosted posts, and they've been getting pretty good results there to actually like, and then you, and you target only the people that follow you. So right now, like you don't have any like target market followers. So I want to do this yet, but you know, use Mary's suggestion of getting into the groups and getting people to follow you. And then maybe doing a follower campaign on the paid social just to get people following you. But then once people are following your company page, you probably have to look at doing some boosted posts to just the people that follow you uh, so that you actually get some reach out of that post. Cause I think, uh, Facebook does not do a good job for company pages on there. Okay. Sounds good.
0: Great feedback. All right. Um, John Hayden asked earlier today, if John, if you're still here, um, what does everyone think of LinkedIn audience network, um, as the, the option on LinkedIn ads, specifically when you're targeting smaller audiences?
2: Yeah. Thumbs down. <laughs> <laughs>
1: The gorillas. is it's um, LinkedIn taking your money.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Why why is it a thumbs down? Um, can you guys explain a little bit more your thinking there and just why like over all on all of our ads that we manage, we we typically do not, or we never, I guess is better. <laughs> we never uh, use audience. Um...
1: yeah, so I think uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Kevin. Well actually maybe you should answer first and I'll fill in the blanks.
4: <laughs> yeah. So basically, Audience Network is reaching people in places that are not LinkedIn. Like it, that can be anywhere LinkedIn owns an ad unit anywhere across the internet. Uh, your ad can appear, and that's not what we're trying to do, right? Like we're trying to reach people on the LinkedIn platform. So it's pretty simple the way we think about it.
0: Any gaps or any other reasoning that y'all want to add to that strategy team?
2: I mean, I guess like if you like were a huge company and you had a huge marketing budget, it might make sense to have some sort of campaigns that were only audience network, right? Like like nothing else, no like no other like like LinkedIn targeting on that on that. Um, like I could see you know if you're like a huge like a 3M or something like that might make some sense, but like for most of us with the smaller marketing budgets that we have, uh, I'd rather just do all that in feed. Awesome.
1: Yeah, yeah, Mike. Same with Facebook audience network. I would just. Honestly, I would disable all audience expansion on any on any paid Mm -hmm. platform.
0: John, do you have any uh, follow up questions or anything else that you'd like to clarify there?
4: Yeah, I guess I was just curious. Do you guys know for sure? Is it the exact audience, or does it expand into like similar people?
2: So I think it it depends on audience expansion or network, right, Kevin? Right. So exactly. net- network is your exact audience off of LinkedIn. And then expansion okay. is it takes your audience that you built natively in LinkedIn. And it's like, well, oh, this person might be similar to that kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah.
4: yeah. yeah Cause there's two different buttons. So the audience yeah. network though, conceivably
2: would be the people you're trying to target just on a different network. Yeah. Gotcha.
4: Yeah. And I will, I do want to clarify too, like if you, accidentally run audience network or if you've ever done it before you might see like oh my god i'm getting all of these additional impressions and clicks and it it makes your metrics look really good but if you run that over a long period of time you're not going to see people convert because what happens is that ad ends up serving to a person and at a place where they don't want to see it so your click through you might be like oh my gosh my click through rate is great but it's because somebody's clicking on it, trying to get away. It's the same as like when you're on your phone and you have a banner ad pop up and it's taking up half the screen and you're trying to hit the X, but instead you click on the ad and then the person running the ad is like, oh my gosh, I have a 2% click-through rate. This is amazing. Well, 99% of those people are just trying to get away from the ad. So um, your metrics might look a little bit better, but you're not actually reaching the people that you want to reach and getting them to convert. Thanks guys. Yeah.
0: Great question, John. Um, Mary brand had a question. I think this one's interesting because Mary said you just got off of a, um, a webinar yourself and uh, you were curious about how we do this webinar uh, itself and, and why we, how how we're able to pull the recordings afterwards um so that we can if you if you ever watch IML on YouTube, you'll see that it's the individual who's talking whose face is on the screen it doesn't have like this whole gallery view or we're able to kind of um cherry pick the shots that we want um to pick from this episode um and I can speak to that if uh, unless anyone else has anything they want to say. but, Um, Basically, we decided at Gorilla that, um, you know, why were we doing this webinar? We wanted it to be a community where folks were engaging. When you click Zoom and you say, I want to do a Zoom webinar, it kind of boxes you in. It also gives you a lot of great metrics on like who attended and and things like that. But uh, it boxes you into like that, just the speaker view only. You can't share other people's cameras and, and stuff like that unless they've updated it recently. And I'm just not aware. But uh, so we actually just run this as like a Zoom meeting, um, which means that we don't get any metrics afterward as far as like how many attendees that we had. So, like, we don't know (laughs) um, those things unless we see down the participants. It says 50 participants right now. So we could write that down, but we just don't keep track of it that way. Um, So it kind of depends on like what your goals are for the event that you're hosting. But if your goal is to create like a space for the conversation and then use that conversation after the fact, I think hosting your event as a zoom event instead of a zoom webinar where folks still register and they get like their unique link to join, like what all of you have done. um, You get a lot more content on the outset. So like we'll have unique audio files that come with this for every single person who spoke during this meeting, which is great for when Mary and Brendan want to kind of transform bits of this into a podcast or, um, things like that. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's just, it's the option to run it as a webinar or just as a meeting. Any other questions about that or I'll move on.
5: I was just going to hop in here. One thing I might make a note and um, Mary, I can pass along. Um, I'll ask Nick what the settings are that he recommends for this meeting. Cause I know that um, we have certain things checked to make sure that we're getting separate audio files and that, you know, things are being collected in the way that he needs them to be able to edit them. Um, and I can just post that in the Slack group later.
0: Thanks, Grace. Always looking out. Okay. Awesome. Um, we had another question from Mike, Mike, do you know where your unmute button is? Um, <laughs> we have another question from Mike. Um, he asked about, um, the gorilla LinkedIn strategy. Hmm. Um, he's, he's noticed that we've been posting a lot more, um, on LinkedIn. So he's wondering if the latest Google algorithm changed and is that the reason why we're posting more on LinkedIn?
1: Yeah, I can um, answer that one. I think this shift actually started like right before um, COVID happened. And we, not me personally, but our founder, Joe Sullivan, was noticing a shift away from Google as the main channel for finding and vetting information. So he started posting on LinkedIn. There weren't a lot of people posting organic content on that channel. So he was getting a lot of feedback from that. And then we don't really, we encourage people to post at Gorilla 76, but it's not a requirement by any means. Post, not post, doesn't really matter to us. We'll help you out if you do want to post with just some tips and tricks. Um, But as far as why we do it the way we do it, we want to put information that is helpful for marketing, sales, and executive professionals in the industrial and manufacturing space in places where they are spending time. So that's like that's pretty much the entire strategy right there is where are customers spending time, and how can we help put the information they want and need in those places?
2: makes sense when, with the new authority uh content uh, uh and the, as part of the algorithm, I noticed a lot more a lot more LinkedIn posts have been coming up on on Google Oh.
1: Oh, that's cool.
0: Interesting.
2: I've never seen that. Usually it's like like a search with Reddit uh, is what I see a lot. I don't see a lot of LinkedIn. So it's that's, that's interesting you're seeing LinkedIn on there, Mike.
1: I was going to say this um, kind of moves right into Claire's post that she did in the Slack channel. Were you going to do that one?
0: Um, I don't know if I have that one written down. I might have
1: missed it. Oh, okay. It's um, LinkedIn is gone. It's not coming back. What are your first couple moves and where are you putting that money now? Oh, yeah. Mm. All right. I'll tell you right now. Organic, I'm going TikTok 100%. Mm. Like no questions asked. I'm already... That's already going to be a huge part of my strategy. Personally, personal brand. And for Gorilla, from my standpoint, it'll be organic TikTok. If I had money, it would probably be going to Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Mm
2: -hmm. TikToks for your uh, food
1: truck. Yeah, that's right. (laughs)
2: TikToks. Uh, I, I like I like Reddit too, but the, you know, the issue with Reddit is they, I don't think they like brands on there, right? So it's a lot of anonymous people. And so it's it's harder to, I think, to, you know, build out a personal brand and, you know, put your face on Reddit. Um, but I think as a place to like spread leadership, like there's, there's a way to do it. Um, I think it's just a little harder, uh, but people seem to go there as like a place to like get answers. Um, but yeah, I think Mary, like TikTok is just insane right now. So
4: One thing to remember, too, you can repurpose content like if you the vertical video is everywhere now, like you can repurpose a TikTok video and put it on Facebook Reels, put it on Instagram Reels, put it on Mm -hmm. YouTube Shorts like the we've always talked about like repurposing content across channels, but the ability to do it now is way more scalable than it has been in the last like five years. Um, So that's why we keep talking about TikTok.
0: I'd like to pull Abby up if Abby, if you're willing, because I also have a question of yours that I've jotted down. Um, but I'd like to hear about your experience on TikTok and if that's like, um, personal or if you're doing it for company and just how that's been working for you.
6: Yeah. Um, first of all, Tuesdays and Thursdays, I refer to homeless woman Tuesdays and Thursdays where I don't go in the office, no shower, no makeup, so no camera. Um,
0: Hey, we're uh, glad that you're here. However, <laughs> you come
6: next time, I promise. Um, so, we started one for our company, McFarland Manufacturing, in July, and
3: mm.
6: we, uh, the purpose of it is just like for fun because we just feel like our marketing is very stiff sometimes and feels very corporate. And that's really not who we are, but that's kind of how we were, I think, coming across to people. So TikTok has been a way to make us feel more human and authentic. And um, so our customers are actually farmers, and we were blown away by the amount of farmers that actually were on TikTok. We did not think that was going to be as successful as it has been. But the outcome is since July, we've gotten more leads than any of our other social platforms were. Hmm. active on LinkedIn, Facebook, and YouTube. Um, And I've been with the company two and a half years. We've gotten uh, almost no leads from any of those other platforms. Not necessarily our goal either on them, um, but it wasn't our goal on TikTok either, but people seeing our equipment run, um, you know, we want, people wanted to set up demos and they also like just have fun with the content that we're creating, so been great
0: so so abby um curious because mary was saying you know that that seems like a lot just adding another uh layer on like how many folks are on your your marketing team at
6: um yep so it's just me and one other person and um our other person she handles most of our social but even um i guess marketing aside there's also the element of employee morale and like our employees, they've at first they kind of like roll their eyes and they're like, oh, we don't want to get into this. But then they kind of, it's, you know, it's like seeing themselves on TV, right? When they're showing up on your TikTok channel, then all of a sudden they get kind of excited about it and they are like, oh, look how many likes our video has or look how many views we have. You know, they slowly start getting more and more into it. And it's just been something that we're having fun with and also, you know, updating the perception people have with our brand. And it's also one of those things too, I have to remind our leadership team who's not on TikTok, if you're not on it, you can't possibly understand what we're doing. And we don't really want to show you any of our TikTok because you just will not get it, you know? (laughs) So um, it's just something that we've asked the team, just trust us. We're just going to go with it and keep up with trends and, you know, working so far
0: that's awesome well Abby I uh, mentioned that I was going to pull another one of your questions and we're getting close to the end here so um, this may be our last question but you asked a little bit about um, just the discipline around using a CRM and Mm -hmm. I'm curious if you could kind of tell us your situation there and um, yeah your, your question
6: sure Um, So we use Microsoft Access right now, um, which is antiquated to say the least. So we are in the process of updating our whole ERP and a a CRM is obviously part of that equation. We also have a sales team who uh, there's six uh, guys on our sales team. The average age is probably 60. So the... Their comfort with computers in general already a bit of a struggle, um, so on top of that, Microsoft Access is just not an intuitive yeah uh, program. So they just they've never wanted to enter any information in our CRM. So we're we have this very rare opportunity to like start fresh and get them started on the right foot. I'm very nervous around the the discipline that they won't have going into it and. Just looking for any input anyone has on how to get the sales team either more excited about it, how to get them to enter any leads in on a more timely basis. And anything aside from becoming their secretary, something marketing can do to help um, encourage them to enter those, those leads or opportunities.
2: Yeah, so that's a great question, Abby. Um, I, I think this is a problem that a lot of sales teams have even with younger sales teams. So I, it's, I think it's all about making it as easy to use as possible. What, you know, One thing I see a lot in CRMs is just way too many fields that will never ever be used, right? So like if we can like look at your current CRM and notice the fields that are used more and the fields that aren't being used. So when you move over to whatever your next uh, uh, CRM is going to be just remove those fields that people aren't using, um. And then, you know, I would say as part of your buying process, like be looking for the CRMs that are intuitive to use. Um, like there's some like, you know, uh, there's some out there that are built really well and some that aren't. And so, like, find the ones that are easy to use. Uh, you know, with mobile and tablet, uh, that is easy for them to just record an email or a phone call or a note. Uh, so they don't have to. Uh, which one has the least amount of button clicks to be able to do that? So I think that would be like the most important thing on getting your sales team uh, using it is just find the one that's easiest to use.
0: I I totally agree with you, Brendan, about the idea of uh, eliminating fields you're not using. Like really be, I think, just judicious when you're going through your current platform and looking at your, like before you set up your new one, um, what do you actually need to ask for from the sales team? That way it's not just a bunch of extra information that's going to frustrate them. I think that's a really good idea.
6: It's a good point too, because I feel like as marketers, we always just want more and more and more information, you know, Uh, so it's a cautionary tale to be very concise.
0: Just to get started, at least, Mm -hmm. you know, um, I think that, and then the other thing is we did an IML earlier this year, um, specifically on CRMs and, and you know, getting that, that buy-in. And I think it, it's, it's a huge undertaking for anyone. I think almost anyone on this call has probably gone through some sort of software um, uh, implementation at their company. And it's, it's a huge pro- project to tackle. So you've got to get leadership involved and, and bought in, and then, you know, stage out your rollout. So that way you're not just throwing kind of like the raw CRM at them, but put it, get it into a state where you're able to introduce them to just the pieces that they need to interact with instead of having them kind of have to filter through it on their own, be their filter. Mm -hmm. Um, thank you. Okay. We are this was a really fun, fun uh, session. We have more questions that we didn't get to, but as Brendan promised, um, Mary and, and, and Brendan and um, maybe myself, we'll, we'll get on a podcast here and we'll answer the rest of your questions. If you got more questions or if this was fun and you want to do more of these in the future, we're still um, ironing out the the shows for next year, but they will be um, twice a month, same as this year. And uh, the first one will be on January 5th. So um, yeah, this has just been really the best part of um, my year at Gorilla 76. It's been, you know, being on IML with all of y'all. So just thank you for building this space together. And I'm super excited to stay in touch on Slack between now and then. If you want to join us in Slack, like I said, just go ahead and throw a little note in the chat and I will get you in there. And um, we are super excited for all that is to come.
2: We are making a programming change in twenty twenty three. Uh, so we are we're not we're dropping the Tuesday show, right, and going to two Thursdays a month.
0: Um, I have to. I think we did first, we did first
2: and third Thursdays of the month in the mid morning.
0: Yeah, sorry. It's um, it's it's uh, the first and third Thursdays.
2: Yep. Of the month will be at what time?
0: Ten a.m. Central time. Central time. Yeah. So, all right. Lots of changes, but we'll send out emails. Don't worry. This has been fun. We love you. Have
2: a happy Thanks, everyone
0: And a happy new year. We'll see you later. Bye.
2: Bye.